them with us tomorrow night. Amen? So with that, Pastor Kevin. All right. Good morning, Lake Church. Hope you brought your Bible this morning. We're going to be looking at several scriptures. So go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 1. While you're turning, I just wanted to make you aware that Pastor Greg is in Bernice, Oklahoma. One of our uh, pastors in our Train Ministers Network is dedicating a new auditorium this morning. Steve Sutter, he's the pastor of Waymaker Revival Center. Uh, it's up in near Grove, I believe. But anyway, pastor's preaching there and dedicating a new auditorium. So one of the uh, parts of the vision here at Lake Church is Pastor Greg is a, is a pastor to pastors. So he helps other ministries and stuff. And so that's where he's at this morning. Uh, don't worry, he'll be back here next week to preach to you at 9 a.m. next week. Make sure you uh, remember we're not having an 11 o'clock service. So turn to Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to continue on a message I did, I believe it was in February, called Authority Issues. <clears throat> Looking at... Uh, some of the reasons why we may not be seeing the manifestation of the exploits and the supernatural power of God in our lives. How many of you believe, since we live under a better covenant, established on better promises, that we should be seeing better manifestations of the power and exploits of God? Amen. It only stands to reason that we live on this side of the cross where Jesus has already died, been raised from the dead, uh, and ascended back to heaven and seated at the right hand of God. He's completed the plan of redemption. And uh, so it stands to reason that we should be seeing at least the same that they saw under the old covenant. But if we live under a better covenant, it stands to reason to me that we should be even seeing better. But you know, Jesus said this. He said, whoever believes in me, the works that I do, he shall do also and greater works than these because I go to the Father. And so when we're not, if we're not seeing the results that Jesus had, then we need to evaluate why that may be, you know, we need to look at, because listen, here's the thing. It's not on God's end. It's not on God's end. And I don't want to get ahead of myself, but uh, we need to evaluate, you know, where we're at. I think a lot of times we assume we're somewhere we're not. You know, we think we're somewhere spiritually that we may not actually be. So we need to get an accurate uh, appraisal, an honest appraisal of our life and the results that we're getting. And we need to always be striving for the standard. The standard's Jesus. You know, we shouldn't be looking around at other people, other ministries and saying, well, you know, we're doing pretty good in regard to, you know, comparing ourselves to others. No, our standard is Jesus. He is not just an example for us, but he's an example of us. He's an example of how a man anointed with the uh, Spirit of God, the power of God, should operate and function in this earth. He redeemed us to our original mandate, to our original position of authority in the kingdom of God. And that's what Genesis 1 and 26 reveals to us. It reveals to us God's original intention for mankind. And if we don't understand what the purpose was that God created us for, then sometimes we can settle for less than what he intended us to be. And in Genesis 1:26 it says, <clears throat> God said, "Let us make man 
uh, in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. That means to rule as a king. In fact, that word dominion, you could just put kingdom in there. God gave man kingdom. So, uh, over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Well, I could say something there, but I don't want to get uh, off topic. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. So God's original intent and purpose for man was that he would rule on earth as a king. God endued man with the power and ability to execute his authority on the earth. Oh, man, that is powerful. That was God's original intent. Listen, God said himself, I change not. So now some things have happened that caused the diminishment of man's dominion on the earth, uh, his ability to execute that authority. But listen, the plan of God never changed. In fact, we've been so religiously indoctrinated that we have believed that our purpose was in heaven. So many people have preached the gospel, a heavenward gospel rather than uh, the original intent of man was that man would rule as a king and have dominion on the earth. And in fact, Jesus is going to return at his second coming and establish his kingdom reign, his kingdom on earth for a thousand years. He's going to show us the fulfillment of that original Adamic mandate that he gave to Adam. And so Jesus redeemed us. The word redeem means to put back, and it's, it means to buy back, but to put back the way that it's supposed to be. And so Jesus didn't come necessarily to take us to heaven. Now, I, I'm going I'm to explain that a little bit because I see people looking at me kind of funny. When you die now, you do go to heaven, but you're not staying there. <laughs> In fact, when Jesus returns, all those who are dead in Christ are coming back with him to rule and reign on earth for a thousand years. <clears throat> Let me ask you another question. If Adam hadn't sinned, disobeyed God in, in the garden, where would he be right now? It's not a trick question. He would still be in the garden here on earth. So God's original intent was that we would have the authority to execute the kingdom of heaven, to extend the kingdom of heaven to the earth. This word subdue means to bring under your control by force. You know, a king uh, is endued with power and authority. That's what God gave Adam. Power, the power belongs to the kingdom, but the authority See, power is an ability to act, but authority is the right to act. Authority is the right to act. And if we take it a step further, which was the first part of this series that I taught, the first lesson was that authority is not just the right, but it's the responsibility to act. So uh, you're going to hear some stuff today that's going to make you responsible. And I was, <laughs> don't everybody get up and run for the door. 
<laughs> Most people don't like that because we want to put it all on God. Well, if we're not seeing uh, things happen the way that uh, we know the Bible says they should, well, then God, it's, it's God, you know, maybe he didn't want that. You know, there's an extreme sovereignty of God teaching that says that everything that happens on the earth happens because God wills it or God allows it. Well, it's getting really quiet in here. I'm telling you, according to the biblical truth, it's not God's fault. The responsibility to execute kingdom authority on earth has been given to mankind. In fact, the reason Jesus had to come as a man was because it would have been illegal for God to come and rend authority back away from Satan again as God. So he did it as man. The very reason he took on flesh and dwelt among us and offered himself as a sacrifice was so that he could redeem us from sin and reinstate us, restore us to our original intent and purpose in the kingdom of God, which was to execute his authority on the earth. Mm. And I'm saying a lot of stuff right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. But that, that authority is our responsibility. See, when God gave authority to man, he limited his own. He limited his own. And God is not going to do what he told us to do. The Lord is not going to do what he has told us to do. It doesn't matter how much we cry, how much we beg, how sincere we are, how desperate we are. God is not going to do what he's told us to do. He would have to violate his own word. It would be illegal for him to take authority where he's already given us authority. It's up to the church. If we're not seeing the power and the manifestation, the exploits of God, it's not on God's end. It's not because he's withholding or he's holding back something. It's because we are not operating in and executing what God has endued and empowered and given us the authority to do in the earth. You know, there's a verse in the Old Testament that says, those who know their God will do exploits. <laughs> we just haven't known. The, the enemy has been uh, keeping us from operating in uh, what God has given us the responsibility to do. First of all, by ignorance. We just don't understand. We've been taught a lot of stuff that we need to have untaught in our lives. And then we haven't known how to operate in certain things. So that's what I was really wanting to address in this message. The first of all, we can't be looking to God to do things that he's given us the authority to do or the responsibility to do. And second of all, the second part to this series was that, that the kingdom of God operates by laws. It operates by laws. And I'm not talking about the law of Moses. I'm talking about spiritual laws that govern the transference of spiritual things to the physical realm. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1. <clears throat> okay, so Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3 
says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, that's past tense, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Let me say that again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every, say every, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So let me ask you this. If God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, how many has he withheld? Not a trick question. (laughs) None. God has already in Christ blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Here's the thing. God has blessed us spiritually in Christ. Let me ask you this question. Where is Christ? Yeah, he's in me. Yeah, he's in me. So listen, your problem, the answer to your problem is not outside of you. The answer to your problems are within you. Christ is within you, the hope of glory. Christ in you is the hope or the expectation of the glory of the goodness of God. Within you, not without you. It's not in heaven somewhere. God has invested his very nature, character, spirit, life, anointing, power, and authority in you. But we haven't known the laws that govern the transference of what he has deposited in us to get it to to be manifested in the physical realm. There are laws that govern it. See, so many people have this idea that like when we go to God and we, let's say we need healing. I use that because it's an obvious manifestation. Okay, so let's say healing. People think you ask God and then he decides yes or no. Let me tell you, God is not healing people. He's not blessing people. He's not delivering people on a case-by-case basis. He delivered, healed, blessed, and saved every man in Christ. That's what Jesse was saying earlier. 1 Corinthians says that Jesus is the yes to every promise of God. That means God has already granted to you everything that pertains to life and godliness. Man, that's a great blessing, but it's also a great responsibility. (laughs) You know, I've heard people say before, we prayed for someone, we asked God for healing, and he said no. That sounds good religiously, but it's not biblical. We need to get biblical. If we want biblical results, we're gonna have to operate biblically. Oh, man. We're going to have to operate biblically. He has already blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The life of God to bring health is already in your spirit. But to get that out of your spirit and to manifest in your physical body, there are laws that govern that. I I don't know about you, but I'm blessed by that. Because if God was my problem... I don't have an answer. Listen, if God's saying no, how am I going to get him to say yes? What am I going to perform to change his mind? How am I going to twist God's arm? How am I going to tap into and get God to do something for me that he's saying no to? And I'll take it a step further. How can you pray the prayer of faith where the will of God isn't known? 
If you don't know if he's saying yes or no, how is it possible to pray the prayer of faith? And the book of James says the prayer of faith will save the sick. Mm. I'm preaching the standard. I see people are uncomfortable with it, but that's all right. It's the standard. Our standard is Jesus. You know, we say that in terms of morality, you know, but Jesus didn't just come so that we could live a moral life. He came so that we could live a spiritual life, so that we could manifest the spiritual, unseen kingdom of God in the seen physical world. Oh, hallelujah. So the execution of the kingdom of God is governed by laws. You know, the thing about laws is they're consistent. They work the same everywhere all the time. And it's revealed in the natural laws in this world, like gravity. Gravity works the same here as it does on the other side of the world. There's no difference. If it worked differently, that would be a phenomenon. If we had gravity here and we didn't have it in another place, that would be a phenomenon. Am I right? But laws are consistent. You can depend on them. They never change. Here's the thing. Laws can either be cooperated with or violated. If you cooperate with them, you get the blessing that was intended. If you violate them, there's a detriment that comes. Okay, so here's why we have, maybe we haven't been cooperating with the laws that govern the kingdom of God. And then the church has just been saying, well, God must be willing something different. Mm. You know, rather than saying, well, maybe we're not. Maybe we don't understand. Maybe we need to make an adjustment. Maybe we need to align ourselves with what the Bible says and learn to operate in the laws. Because listen, when God created the earth, he set the parameters for everything. Well, the way that the earth would work and the way that mankind would function. And he's not suspending gravity in cases where people would need him to. You think about that. If a person falls off a building... Wouldn't God, you know, doesn't he want to save them? Wouldn't he suspend gravity so that they wouldn't die? No, because he doesn't violate his laws. We have, we have to learn to cooperate with the laws that govern the kingdom of God if we want the results uh, of what God's word says belongs to us, what our responsibility is, we have to cooperate with that. We have to understand it. So here's the first thing I want to say about that is that the execution of our authority is opposed. We have an enemy that does not want you to understand the laws of God because he knows when you do, he's in trouble. He's in trouble because the things, the, the works of the devil can be destroyed every time when you understand the laws that govern spiritual things. You know, John 10, 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, but I've come that they may have life and life more abundantly. 
First Peter chapter five, verse eight says the devil walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You know what that means? He can't devour everybody. <clears throat> He's seeking someone he can devour, but he cannot just devour people at will. And the reason why is because we have the authority. The devil doesn't have authority over us. Now I'm talking about believers because unbelievers are under his authority. When Adam, when Adam submitted his authority to the serpent in the garden, he used Adam's authority against him. And he became what the apostle Paul called the God of this world. But Jesus came back and he rendered the authority away from Satan as a man so that he could turn and transfer that authority back to his body, which is the church. Look at Matthew chapter 28. Now we're going to look at some scriptures here. Matthew 28. And verse 18, this is when Jesus has died, been raised from the dead, and he's about to ascend back to heaven. And verse 18 says, and Jesus spoke to them. He has his disciples all gathered together. And he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore. The word therefore refers back to the statement he just made. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore. He just transferred his authority to the church. Listen, we don't have a lesser authority. We have Jesus Christ's authority. And after that, he ascended and sat down at the right hand of God, which is the highest place of authority in the universe at the right hand of the throne of the majesty on high. Jesus said that that is the authority that Jesus gave to the church. He gave us the same authority that he had. Now look at Mark chapter 16. Mark 16. Verse 15. Now this is the same instance, but a different writer. So he gives us more information. And Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. See, there's the authority part. It's in his name. We are operating in the same authority that Jesus has at the right hand of God. In my name, they will cast out demons. In the Greek that says literally they will exercise authority over the devil. Why? Because we have the authority, the same authority that Jesus has. And his expectation is that we exercise it over the devil. <laughs> that when we come across a devil, that we take authority over it. Not that, okay, here's the thing. Not that we ask God to do something about the devil because there's not one scripture in the New Testament that tells us to ask God to do something about the devil. That verse that I read in 1 Peter 5 where it says the devil goes about as a roaring lion seeking him and may devour, verse 9 says this. It says, resist him steadfast in the faith. 
James 4, 7 says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. The Bible never tells us to ask God to do something about the devil. It reveals to us that God has already done everything you need for you to exercise authority over the devil. And if we're not, having a, if we're not seeing our authority over the devil and he's getting his way with us, it's not because God's allowing it, it's because we're allowing it. It's because we're allowed. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. And as you're turning there, I'm just going to mention Colossians uh, chapter 1 verse 13 says, He has delivered us from the authority of darkness, transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. So every person is born into this earth under the authority of darkness. But when you receive Jesus, you share in the kingdom of God's dear son. That means you share in the authority and the rule and the reign and the kingship of Jesus. Okay. So Ephesians one, this is a prayer of Paul in the new Testament. His prayers are very interesting because uh, one thing I noticed is he doesn't pray the way I used to pray. He doesn't pray the way a lot of believers pray, you know, asking God to do this and to do that. The apostle Paul doesn't ever ask that. He, this is what he prays in Ephesians 1, 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. When God raised Jesus from the dead, he raised him far above all principality and power and might and dominion. And at first glance, you might say, well, that's great for Jesus. But go to the next chapter, verses five and six. It says, and you were dead in your trespasses, but he made you alive together with Christ, raised us up together with him and made us to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That means through our union, through the new birth, we have been raised spiritually with Christ and we sit in the same place of authority at the right hand of God as Jesus does. I like what Brother Hagin said, even if you're the little toe on the foot, you are far above every principality, every power, every might, every dominion, every ruler of darkness, all spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. You are not a little above, you are far above them. You have been endued with the authority of the very kingdom of God, which is the highest in all of the universe. Wow. Hallelujah. Man. 
So how does the enemy oppose us? I mean, that's some good news right there. How could we lose? The enemy works through ignorance, which just means us not knowing. In fact, Hosea 4 and 6 says this, my people, God is speaking, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. I'm telling you, the devil's main scheme or tactic is to keep us in the dark. In fact, the word darkness in the Bible means ignorance. So the kingdom of darkness is the kingdom of ignorance. Light in the Bible means revelation. So see, the enemy can't change or stop what Christ, what God has already done for us through Christ. He can only try to obscure it from your sight. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 4. He says, uh, he has blinded the minds of those who don't believe lest they see the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He can only try to hide from you through distraction and, and various things the truth of what already belongs to you and who you are and what you're called to operate in, what I'm called to operate in. So how does he do it? Well, he uses the laws of God against us. Because he can't change anything. So he uses the laws of God against us. And the thing I wanted to share with you today is that authority is voice activated. Amen. The way you execute authority is with your words. With your words. You know, I'm thinking about David and Goliath. You know, when David stepped up before Goliath, he, he ran at him with his mouth open. He was declaring his covenant with God. He was declaring the victory based on his union with God through covenant. How many of us, though, when we get hit, we shut our mouth or we react instead of responding? We just react out of pain rather than responding out of revelation. And so it's voice activated. Ecclesiastes 8 and 4 says this, where the word of a king is, there is power. And that word in the Hebrew is authority. And uh, you who belong to Christ, you have been made kings and priests unto our God. We got to get a revelation of that and understand how to operate as that. See, where the word of a king is, there's authority. In fact, the word of a king is law. When a king speaks, it's law. You know, a king doesn't execute authority by running around doing what he wants done. No, he just decrees, he declares, he says, and it gets done. And that's how we, we have got to realize the authority that's invested in our words. You know, Adam, the very first exercise God did with Adam to reveal this truth to him was he had him name all the animals. You know, it says in Genesis 2.19, whatsoever Adam called them, that was the name thereof. And God submitted to that. I don't, I don't know if, that, uh, if you caught that or not. God said, whatever you say, I'm submitting to it. Why? Because I give you authority on the earth. God wouldn't even violate that. He would have to violate his own word. But he said, whatever you call it, that's going to be the name thereof. We need, to take a, we need to take notice of that. Whatever we call something, God's going to submit to that. 
He's not going to override your authority and go, well, that was a stupid thing to say. I'm going to go ahead and fix that for you. No, whatever you say, God's going to submit to it. Why? Because where the word of a king is, there is authority. Where the word of a king is, there is authority. Our words were meant, God created us in his image and his likeness so that we would have the ability to have the creative power of our words. What did God do when he wanted to create this? He spoke, let there be light. Let there, he made us speaking spirits just like himself. The purpose was to bring the kingdom into manifestation. The purpose was to bring the kingdom of God into manifestation. So let's look in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 12. Verse 14 says, A man will be satisfied with good, by the fruit of his mouth. If you study that word good there in the Hebrew, it means blessing. So the first thing we can see here is that our words have the ability to invoke God's blessing. You know, in the Old Testament, they would take their kids, they would lay hands on them, and they would speak the blessing over their life. God's intent is that we use our words to invoke the blessing of God in our life. And our words, because we've been made kings under, to God, our words, where the words of a king is, there's power. There's authority. Drop down to verse 18. It says, there is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. So not only do we invoke blessing, we can impart healing yeah. through our words. And not just to, to ourselves and to others. And to others. So listen, we have authority over the enemy. How in the world is he able to oppose us? He uses this law against us. In other words, he gets us to speak words that are in opposition to the will of God. See, the enemy doesn't have authority over us. He can't just come in and devour you. He can't just come in, steal, kill, and destroy. What he has to do is he has to get your consent. And he uses the authority of our words against us to get consent to do the things he wants to do in our lives. Look at Proverbs 18. <clears throat> Proverbs 18, 21 says, life and death are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Life and death. So let me take this a step further. What is the source of the words we speak? They come from our heart. And so... The enemy wants to poison your heart so that he can get you to speak words that give him consent to come in and seek to steal, kill, and destroy. That's why we are in, you know, I heard pastor say it before, that we're in a, in a word war, that there's a word plague. 
In fact, the indoctrination of this generation in our public schools is to poison the hearts of a generation so that we can get a gener- that, they, that the enemy can get a generation speaking words that are contrary to the word of God to give the enemy consent to have his will and his way in this generation. You know, teaching on gender confusion and stuff, all that kind of stuff. Maybe I'm, I just read to you in Genesis 1, he created them male and female. There aren't any others. I don't care what some professor says in college. I don't care what these people say. The word of God is either truth to you or it's not. It's either truth to you or it's not. But if the enemy can get you to believe that, and then you got people going, well, maybe I'm not this. Maybe I'm this. You've just given the enemy consent to your life. You know, our media is just a constant barrage of the words of the devil. And the purpose of it is to get it into your heart so that you'll begin to speak it out of your mouth and you give him consent. Man, I heard Andrew Womack say this the other day, and it's tight, but it's right. <laughs> he said, you know, we set kids in front, uh, we set kids in a position to have the devil be their babysitter. Mm-mm. Man, think about it. We set ourselves in. We, we pay to have that stuff, you know, just pumped into our living room. And then we got to pray and read the word to try to overcome what we've been hearing. You know, we're diluting what God has said. We're bringing confusion into our lives. And then we begin to speak out of that confusion when we're hit. You know, because Jesus said, out of the good treasure of a man's heart, he bringeth forth good things. But out of the evil treasure of a man's heart, he bringeth forth evil things. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The devil's after the hearts because then he can get you to speak and give him consent. And he can use our authority against us. You know, think about the temptation of Jesus. I'll close with this. The temptation of Jesus, when the devil came and tempted him, what did Jesus say? It is written. He was only going to speak what his father said. He's, he was only going to say what he had heard his father say. What did he say? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. When the devil comes and he brings some kind of confusion or, or he's getting something in your heart that makes you question what the word of God says, you have to come back with, it is written. It is written. When Jesus said, it is written to the devil, finally the devil left him for a season. He couldn't stand against what it is written. <laughs> you know, you can, try to, you can try to argue out of your, you know, your reasoning and stuff like that. That's not going to do a thing to the devil. But it is written. It is written. Why? Because God's word is forever settled in heaven. And God has exalted his word even above his own name. We've got to discover and declare what the word of God says, which is the will of God for our life and use our authority to speak what God has spoken and quit speaking what the devil's saying and giving him consent to work in our lives. 
I need to say it is written when I feel sickness coming against me. I need to say it is written that by the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. And by his stripes, if I was healed, then I am healed. When the devil tries to come and say you're going under financially, you need to say I'm the head, not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. I'm blessed going in, blessed going out, blessed in the city, blessed in the field. God has already commanded a blessing upon my life. Oh, when the devil tries to bring some kind of addiction or, or some kind of disorder in your life, you need to stand up and stand against it with the word of God. He hadn't given me a, a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. Man, we got to speak the word of God. When the devil comes bringing something contrary to what God has declared, we need to say no, no. No, and we need to know what God has said about that, and we need to speak only what God has said. We need to stop reacting out of our emotions and start responding out of our spirit in line with what the Word of God has declared. Hallelujah. We need to discover and declare. We need to be the kings and priests that God has made us to be with the very blood of Jesus. We need to decree a thing and see it established. Hallelujah. Father, we just give you praise. We thank you, Lord. Oh, we thank you that there is nothing that the enemy can bring against us that you have not already fully supplied us to stand against. We put on the full armor of God, which is your word, so that we can stand in the evil day. And having done all, discovering what your word says, we stand in it, therefore. We stand and we declare what you have declared to be true. We thank you for it, Father God. We're not allowing the enemy to just come in and bring confusion to us anymore. That we receive your word this morning, Father God. That we're going to be aware. We're going to be like in 1 Peter chapter 5, sober and vigilant. We're going to stop being uninformed and apathetic, but sober and vigilant in these things. The devil's not playing, but he, he, he doesn't have anything in us or, or on us or over us. We're not under his authority. We thank you, Father God. Oh, we thank you that you have endued men with such power and authority. We thank you, Father God. You've already said yes to our victory. <laughs> Somebody need to hear that this morning. God's already said yes to your victory. God's already said, you may be in, you're in the midst. I, I sense somebody is in the midst of some wrestle and match with the enemy and his words against you in your life. I'm here to tell you that God has already said yes to your victory. Quit wrestling in your mind, trying to figure out in your intellect what the truth is. Take the word of God, say, thy word is truth, just like Jesus said. Sanctify me by your word, Father. Thy word is truth. I will not be swayed from what you've said. Oh, hallelujah. That's where your freedom is. See, here's the thing. Your pastor can't do that for you. Your, your grandparents, your parents, they can't do that for you. And we can agree, we can agree, but the authority's yours. Oh, you're well equipped. 
I said, you're well equipped. You're well equipped. All the power of heaven's back in your words when you speak what God said. Oh my goodness. When we speak what God has said, it's the same as God speaking it himself. Oh, it has the same power behind. Those words have the same power coming out of your mouth as they had coming out of Jesus' mouth. Oh, hallelujah. God's already said yes. Stand in the victory that Christ has already won. We thank you, Father God. We thank you for it. Hallelujah just like when you get saved. Jesus has already paid the price to justify every man. How do you get saved? You believe in your heart. You confess with your mouth. Jesus is Lord. And you pass from death to life. You pass from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God's dear son. Just because of the confession of your mouth connected to the belief in your heart. Hallelujah. You execute that authority. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, as we close, I just want to encourage you, if you're here this morning, you know, maybe you need someone to agree with you about what God has said. Maybe you need someone to minister to you. You're in a situation you, you don't not, you're not sure. Maybe you need someone to share the word with you and help you find what to stand on and what to declare over your life in some situation. There's going to be ministers up front here as we dismiss the service. And I want to encourage you, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, do not leave here. Do not leave here. God has already provided salvation to you as a free gift. And you believe and trust that Jesus paid for your sins and you confess him as Lord, you receive salvation. Don't leave here. If you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you need the Holy Spirit, uh, his empowerment on your life. If you've never spoke in tongues, there's gonna be ministers up here. If you're struggling with some sickness or disease or disorder or addiction, I don't care what it is. All that stuff comes from the kingdom of darkness. And we are, we are anxious to minister to you this morning and see you delivered in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. So if the ministers would come, those of you who are ministers, come on to the front. I just want to close this with them up here because I want to encourage you. Don't leave. Don't leave without coming and and uh, tapping into the ministry that's here this morning. Don't leave with something you can leave without. (laughs) Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great Sunday. You're dismissed.